Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas criminal defense. And Winston. Winston's here. He's, Sometimes he's, he's not, though. He, he's, he's missed us the last couple of times. Yeah, I've, I've been leaving him at home just because we've had a lot of traffic in and out of the building, and uh, and he, he can get pretty ornery. So, um, you know, he's fierce. He's small, but he is fierce. Small but mighty? I don't know. There's something Something there, like right? that. There's something in it's there. It's like a bumper sticker I read once. Okay. Hey, so... That's where I get all my legal advice. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, may as well. Um, why would you pay us? You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we actually have today. We got some suggestions for topics, right? Right. Yeah, we did. So a listener. Yeah. From, from a, from a listener, which is amazing. Um, I thought it was just you and me just re-downloading everything. Right. Yeah. To get our numbers I, I mean, up. I, I downloaded it several times just so we can get our numbers up. But he actually is a follower on Twitter. He follows our Twitter handle. So let me give it out to you. Ours That's amazing. At a and a t x crim def i don't know why we don't have more followers i know it's it's weird i'm following 18 people 17 people follow us that <laughs> means I'm, I'm i'm in the i'm in the negative <laughs> yes that's not good uh you know it, it is what it is um but, yeah but we we actually do have followers this uh this this twitter user reached out to you on twitter with some pretty great topics some good topics really good yeah. topics so, All right, so a shout out to at Ben Jeffries 79, who was a uh, 3L at a uh, South Texas College of Law. Congratulations. You probably will be graduated by the time you hear this. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. And then good luck on the bar. Oh, man, I do not miss those days. You don't miss the bar? I don't. Good I don't. for you. Actually, you know, it's probably the time when I knew the most about the law. Oh, I didn't mean that kind of bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I don't miss that bar either. Um, anyways, so we have a, we have a handful of suggestions here. Um, one of them was steps to prep for trial. And we just, we were kind of talking about this beforehand. We just interviewed Harmony Sherman, um, great attorney, great attorney. Um, that was a couple episodes ago. Just re-listen to that. I think her ideas and tips for prepping for really serious trials also translate into prepping for like any trial, the non-so-serious yeah, also. One of the things that we've all seen, and and I see it regularly, is something like a DWI and the defense attorney comes in and basically reads the file that day of. And they're what they're basically saying is, well, DWIs are so, they're so common, they're so similar, I'm ready regardless. Right. Well... I, I don't like that. I don't either. And uh, DWIs, I think, are actually some of the most scientifically complicated and complex cases that we face. I mean, most DWIs have either a breath test or a blood test. Of course. The standardized field sobriety test, the state is going to try to put those in as some kind of scientific reliability behind those. Um, and so you, you really have like, you can, um, I mean, we have some really great uh, trial attorneys in the state of Texas who primarily do DWIs, though they will take on other cases. But it's and just then a, we have really good trial attorneys who do other cases and occasionally take on DWIs. Right. Yeah. But I, I think it's a for the young starting out attorney, those DWIs, there's, you know, it is, you know, for your first one with, with um, a low BAC alleged, you know, alleged, then it's a class B misdemeanor. So relatively, not a lot at stake, right? I mean, if your client right. is found guilty, probably going to get probation. 
Right. Or like three days in the county jail. Yeah. Which is nothing. Right. Um, but it's really important to your client and it's a great opportunity to like cut your teeth on some pretty advanced issues in trial law. Yep. So, um, so even those minor ones go back to listen point B, listen to Harmony's podcast, uh, her episode, which again, it was just a few, few weeks ago. Um, and if there's something we missed there, if there's something you're like, Hey, I want to know more about, again, reach out to us. We take it. We take, uh, suggestions. And obviously we always, we always are looking for people to be on the show. I, I love doing like, we do a lot of like the, Hey, this is just a brief overview of a topic, like the juvenile law one we just did. That was <laughs> just say, yeah, yeah. Just very surface level. Right. Um, but if you, I love doing deep dives. Uh, we've done specific code sections. Um, we've done specific cases, um, you know, specific situation, whatever. I love doing those deep dives. If you guys really have a, uh, you know, the deepest dive you, you can do is a Pacific Mar- dive, Mariana's Trench. Mariana's Trench. Yeah. Not a specific deep dive, but a p- Pacific one. Yeah. Sorry. So Andrew's had some wins lately. And so he is like on cloud nine. <laughs> yeah. It's um, been a good day. And that is translated it like the dad jokes are on fire today. Yeah. yeah my, my dad, my dad jokes are on point. <laughs> so, um, so listen to that one. If you, if you need some um, help prepping for trial. Um, we'll do, he's got a couple others. We'll do how to work towards a favorable plea and then reasons for turning down clients kind of on a different episode. You think? Right. Right. We may do that as one episode in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. We do have some, um, some, some guests that are lined up. We're just trying to, trying to handle some, uh, calendar issues, uh, to get them on, um, uh, you know, just so we can record them and, and put it out there for you guys. So yeah, I promise you it's going to be a busy summer. For us and for you as our listeners, we'll have some really great episodes coming up that we're really excited about. But we do want to talk about his the the fourth topic he suggested, and that is tips for picking a jury. That's uh, right. Mr. Harris, you picked a jury last week. Yeah. I picked a jury last week. Yep. I picked a jury two weeks ago, four, four, weeks, four ago, weeks ago, and I'm picking another jury in less than two weeks. Yeah, you've had a busy, busy second quarter here. Right, um, and I'm scheduled for two trials at the end of June, 1st of July. And that's, you know, and then there's yeah, other likewise. stuff that, that could be coming. Not to, I'll have one at the end of Ju- at the end of June, um, unless it gets dismissed prior to, which is likely. Um, and then, yeah. And then another one in August, um, hope maybe July will be a little slower. I'm not real sure, but I mean, this is what we live for, right? I mean, it, it is exhausting. We have to take time away from our businesses, but we love being in trial. We love trial attorneys. You've had some great results lately. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, when, and when you beat, when you beat the odds and you beat the numbers and you get your guy a, a probation from a jury on, on a case, and, on a really and, serious and the, case. And, and the, yeah. And the assistant district attorneys in that office stop you the next couple of days and go, so yeah, like they know, yeah. they, 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 they know we're, you we're, them. we're changing, we're changing the way we think about these cases. Yeah. That, that, that is a huge, I think that's a huge win, man. So congrats on that. Um, yeah. So let's talk about like picking a jury for dire jury selection or jury deselection as we've right, uh, we titled episode. another episode. That was, that was about a year and a half ago. That yeah. Was- um, so if you want just the law, the general framework of jury selections, go and listen to that episode. It's a, I, if I do say so myself, we did a pretty dang good job. Well, of, you would say so yourself. Yeah. I think, I, I think that was my episode, right? Um, <laughs> I love jury selection. It's one of my favorite um, uh, parts of a trial. 
and I think it's the most important part of a trial, right? Not only do we get to talk with potential jurors person to person, face to face, um, we, uh, you know, we can, uh, kind of, you know, get our side of the story out there and start indoctrinating jurors a little bit. That's a weird word, yeah. but you know, just try to teaching get teaching them. We're teaching, teaching them. them. Yeah. And I think there's there, you know, each, each attorney is going to have their own method of picking a jury, but generally it falls along the, the lines of like, are you a questioner or are you a lecturer? And I'm kind of both. I mean, I'll do a little bit of lecturing, but I'd really try to get, that doesn't really do anything for me. I mean, it, it helps my ego, but it doesn't really do anything else. Right. So I tried to get as much info as I can from them, but I feel like a topic needs to be introduced. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. So I'm probably going to do a little bit of both. <clears throat> Excuse me. A uh, little bit yeah. of allergy drainage. Well, I, I um, figure like the, the former pastor in you, um, really gets up there and just loves being in front of uh, the 80 people again. Right. I've been told that I've, well, I've been told this and, and I now spout it. I've never lost a jury selection. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, you know, but that's like saying I never lost the first half of a football game. Yeah. Right? That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't always equal a, a win at the final uh, buzzer. But um, one of the, I actually had, in my last trial, one of the other ADAs who I tried against just weeks before come in during one of the witnesses just to watch. And during break, I said, Hey, it's good to see you. And they, they were like, yeah, you too. And I said, I, I just wasn't quite as good on my jury selection. And they looked at me and they said, what happened? And I said, I didn't make the jury laugh. Yeah. That's important to me. Like I actually, you know, like and and on the case where I made them laugh, it was, a sexual assault by contact with prior. So auto life. And I still had a jury laughing and it's not that I was making jokes. It's that I was helping them understand and see how they could be in a similar situation or how, how the law kind of works. And I usually I'll make it something like, you know, how it relates to a speeding ticket or um, something dumb we did when we were in college or yep. high school Uh and if you can get them to, to relate to you, they then see, you know, when you can kind of go, you and I are a lot the same. They then can see that my client and them might be a lot the same too. Yeah. I, um, you know, Brene Brown is very popular now. She is. And she spoke I, at my son's graduation, both of them. That's amazing. Um, that, that, but that was a really cool experience. She was awesome. Yeah. So I, um, I, I am a fan also. I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who's like, after watching one of her, you know, Ted talks or whatever is like, God, I hate her. You know, I, and I, and I think the point is that I get from her is like, it's okay to be vulnerable to a jury. It's okay to be honest and authentic to a jury. It's going to be bring people into your side. And a lot of times, I mean, defense attorneys, I think are in a better position to do that than prosecutors. Right. right we can share some of our like failures. Like I share a lot about, you know, b being a drunk in college, you know, I share a lot about, um, you know, some of those personal things, right. Just to kind of make a point. And it, it allows other people to raise their hand and be like, you know what, this was my experience. And this is kind of how I felt mm -hmm. going through it mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, um, definitely like, don't be afraid to be, to cut loose, to, to make some jokes or be entertaining 
and and also as to long, be vulnerable as long as, and authentic. as long as it comes off as real yeah yeah i would right. say appropriate too because we try some very serious sexual related type uh, cases and you don't want to be making inappropriate jokes about sexual assault victims or anything like that like that is just that's terrible yeah don't um, don't pull a bill clements uh remember when he was running for governor against dan richards he said that rape is like the texas weather you just have to sit back and enjoy it. it'll be over soon uh, right that they're saying lots of lots of analysts say that that joke cost him the election to ann richards good right? god man. right <laughs> yeah uh you can't say that you couldn't say that in 1990 you can't say it in 2022 yeah that is reprehensible <laughs> right. stuff to, to say um so avoid avoid making those types of comments right. you for cannot sure. say that whether yeah. you want to be governor or you want your client to win at trial now um you know we all have what we what we talk about um kind of memorized for each topic i guess uh during a jury selection right. so Let's talk about like beyond a reasonable doubt. What do you, ah, yes. yeah, let's, so that's something you're going to talk about in every single trial, every single one, you're going to have it memorized after your third one. You won't mm-hmm. have to look at your notes. You just kind of get into it. Right. Tell, it, tell, tell us a little bit about your process. And okay. That. So first of all, if I'm using slides and, and yeah, Mr. Harris, do you use slides? Oh yes. Right. Yes. I use them sometimes. Right. Um, Sometimes it depends on on the case. Sometimes it depends on how I feel. Sometimes it depends on what the what the prosecutor's just done. Yeah. Right. Um, but I use slides, and this is one of them that I like to put up because I like to point at it. Uh, and and, it, and you go through, you know, probable cause, um, uh, preponderance of the evidence, and then you get to clear and convincing. And 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 in this graph, it shows all of this is still, and I and I point and I make the jury say it. Let's say it together. This is all still not, not guilty, guilty. Yeah. right? Um, and I make I'm I make a jury say not guilty about five times through the course of void ire. Yeah, like as a group. Yeah, they need to get they need to be ready. They need to be. It's like practice, you know. Right. Um, and then so when I get to preponderance of the evidence, I'll talk about this is what it takes. No, sorry, clear and convincing evidence. When I get go. to clear and con- clear and convincing evidence, preponderance of the evidence is what it takes to get money, and not to like, you know, isn't that terrible? Um, I said, but then clear and convincing evidence is what it takes to take your children away in the state of Texas. If yeah. the state of Texas wants to take your children away, and I'll point to someone who I know is a mom, and I'd be like, how much evidence would that take? Last time I had a CASA worker, the court advocate, uh, Court, court, yeah, yeah. Court yeah. appointed special advocate, special advocate, which basically yeah. represents children in, in, you know, in cases. And there was a CASA worker. And I said, how much evidence would it take for the state of Texas to take your kids away? Yeah. And she goes, it would take a lot. And It'd I said, you lot. know, it takes a lot to take anybody's kids away. Right. And she goes, yeah. And I said, it's got to be good evidence. It can't just be kind of. Eh. Yeah. And she's like, of course. And then I said, then I define, because there's a legal definition in the case law for clear and convincing evidence. Yeah. That says the finder of fact will, fir- will find with a firm, will believe with a firm conviction. Firm belief or conviction. Firm belief or conviction, fact, yeah. right? As to, as to the allegation. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that sounds good. It's good. I like it. Then, then the preacher comes out. There you go. I knew he was going to come out. Yeah, he comes out. (laughs) And I ask him, 
What is something that one of you has a firm belief or conviction in? And somebody will, you'll hear Jesus. Yeah. Okay. My spouse. That's a good one. Right. In my jury six weeks ago on the front row, I had a West Point grad. When we got to this question, someone had said, you know, Jesus, my spouse, other people said my faith, God, right? I said, West Point grad. He's like, yes, sir. You know, and like immediately he sits up, like he got strong because that was the first time anybody mentioned West Point. He's the only one in the room. I said, um, what oath did you take when you entered the army? And he said, defend the, defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I said, hmm. And you would die for that? And he goes, mm-hmm, yes, sir. Smiling, beaming. I said, firm belief or conviction in that U.S. Constitution? He said, yes, sir. And I said, so you would die for something in which you have a firm belief or conviction? He goes, of course. Then I stop and let it sit there for about three seconds. And I go, and beyond a reasonable doubt, ladies and gentlemen, it's just a little bit higher yeah. under the law. And then I stop again. It's incredibly effective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, and if you really look at that, we, we've talked about this on the show, beyond a reasonable doubt should be almost impossible to get to. I agree with that. Yes. Now, granted, when we look at the police reports, we watch the video and so forth. I have a pretty firm belief or conviction that my client might be guilty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we have those conversations. Look, no jury is going to believe that you didn't do this. Right. Um. Yeah, it's not an unattainable. Right, it's um, not unattainable, but it's right, not. But, it's not a. Yeah, this might have happened. Right, it's it's not err on the side of caution or tie goes to the runner. No type, it, type it, deal. Right, it, it's got to be solid, solid, solid. So I I like to do. I think that was a great. That was almost like a godsend. Like, hey, here's this West Point grad here for you. Here's this gift I wrapped for you. Yeah, it was her. like front row. Like, yep. Yep. We'll say West Point grad didn't end up on the jury. The, uh, the state cut him at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they walked in going West Point. We want him. And after that, after they were that, like, yeah, nope. no, mm -mm, nope. um, I, I, when I'm talking about beyond a reasonable doubt type stuff, I always use the, the, the bar that separates the well of the court from this, from the uh, public viewing area or seating area as like my spectrum. Right. So I'll start all, all the way over on one side as like, this is reasonable suspicion all the way up to what, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. And when I get to beyond a reasonable doubt, I'm, I'm not quite at the other wall. I'm just shy of it, but I'm right there up on it, you know? Um, and they, uh, and I think that's quite Andrew effective. Harris from East Texas. Cause he's up on it. I'm up on it. <laughs> um, that's right. Right, right near the coast. So, uh, but, but I think anything that you can do to visualize that standard, because Beyond a reasonable doubt is not defined. It is it, whenever um, people think about what that means, they are clueless. They are clueless, right? It's confusing. And to the, the state will person. say it doesn't mean beyond all doubt. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, you're right. It doesn't say that. But I'm willing to die for this answer. I'm not going to have any doubts. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it does mean beyond all reasonable doubt. Right. And that's a, that's a distinction that you can make. Right. Right. Um, I put up, I, I do PowerPoints for everything in every situation. The reason I do that is because it keeps me on track. 
I'm not wasting, you know, just, I'm not wasting time tripping over my words or trying to remember what I was going to say next or anything like that. So it keeps me on track. And then also I know a lot of, um, a lot of our defense attorneys will say they want all the attention on them. I, and I agree, like I get, I think during jury selection, I get plenty of attention. The eyes are on me, but the mind absorbs what the seat can endure. And I think having a PowerPoint, that's Confucius. Or Aristotle, I can't remember. It's Andrew Harris today. I don't know who it was, but but right. I mean, I mean, it's it's so true, right? Um, and I don't. It's not that old of wisdom, right? It's probably <laughs> it's probably like Mad Magazine in the '60s. Um, but I I keep it on there because it the or the powerpoints because they're entertaining and they keep people they keep their mind preoccupied uh, or occupied. I mean, they're they're visually stimulating they're much better than when a prosecutor uses PowerPoint prosecutor using PowerPoint is a joke and it's an embarrassment. Every PowerPoint I've seen from a prosecutor, it's just like scrolling through the elements and that's it. And mine are engaging. When I talk about witness believability, I put up a picture of Bill Clinton and whatever you feel about the man, when he says it depends on what your definition of is, is Yeah, everyone in the room went guilty. Yeah. So, so putting a picture of him smiling and it says believability of witnesses always gets a laugh. And I feel like if they're laughing with me, they're a little bit more easy. Um, they're, they're trusting the information I'm giving them, you know, I'm, I'm entertaining them and I'm also being serious at times. And, um, you know, it's really like, it's a really fun and engaging part of the trial process. Yeah. It it is where you get to be a little bit creative. So another thing I do is, um, when I get to a client's right to remain silent, I'll have been talking and been talking, getting them talking, asking questions. And then I flip the screen. Now, the reason, let me tell you the weakness. I think the weakness of using a PowerPoint presentation, and this is where you've got to know your stuff well enough to know you can work through it, is that if the jury leads you a place that your PowerPoint doesn't go, or you can skip something, you've got to be able to go click, click. Yes. We all know people that are so tied to their outline, they can't deviate. Right. Yeah. Know, know your stuff better than that. You have to go where the jury takes you. Right. Because you don't, if you cut them off and say, we're actually going to get to that in five slides, they're not going to talk again. And you're not going to remember to call on them again. There's right. going to be a million other things that happen in the interim. Right. I agree, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Or one. if you realize you're running short on time and the next slide or next two slides are important, but not critical. Click, click. Right. Just skip through. Be done. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. And, and I have a loud voice. I, every jury selection I've done almost, I've had someone get cut because they say, I'll ask something and I'll have realized they haven't heard everyone else. Yeah. And they'll say, I, well, I can hear you. And it's usually an older man and he'll point to especially a female prosecutor and go, but I couldn't hear everything she said. Great. You just got cut because you can't hear the testimony. Yeah. Um, I've had that happen probably in half of my juries and I've had several of them go, I couldn't hear the judge either. Right. I've got, I'm a trained opera singer, a jury room, not big enough for me not to be heard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Your voice carries. Yep. I hear you on the phone all the time. I'm like, shut up, man. 
You're just jealous. Uh, <laughs> Why nobody calling me? That's right. That's what <laughs> so, you know, I've got this noise and, the, and then I click the slide and it's a black and white screen with like a, like a cloudy view and in kind of bad type, like old, you know, like print type says silence. And I stand there. Why? Because it's effective. They're now all going, what the hell just happened? And then I go, silence. My client has a right under the U.S. and Texas Constitution to remain silent. Are you going to use that against him? And I can bring it down real low. Right? Again, there's some theatrics to this. Oh, yeah. You suck them in. And in a case where there's an alleged touching, online solicitation of a minor, sexual assault, just tried two of those, another one's coming, the other one's coming later this summer, right? People want to hear, right? I did a scaled question just before that. And half that room said five on a, right now, would you find my client Zero, they are not guilty as they sit. And 10, I'd find them guilty right now. I got three struck for cause on that because three of them said 10. Yeah. They said he's guilty. Well, that might just be a way to get them, you know. To... So you said scaled question. Would you kind of like tell us what that, tell us what you mean by that? Okay, so, so a scaled question is like a one to 10 question. And the question was exactly what I said. How likely are you to find my client guilty right now? This is during jury selection. And I'll say, right now, the law says he's not guilty. How likely are you to find him guilty? I need to work on this question because I've yet, minus the couple of tens, haven't really gotten a judge to strike anybody for cause. Yeah. Although I think that they've shifted the burden when they say three. I don't even worry about a three. Fives and above. Yeah. Fives and above, I'm really worried. And so you're asking every single person mm -hmm. in the Venire panel. Right, I go down. And I, and I say, I'm going to go with jury numbers just so it's quick and easy. Jury number one, one. Jury number two, one. Jury number three, one. Jury number four, three. That was a three? Yes. Jury number five, right? Yeah. Go down. On and on and on. In my last jury selection, about half of them said five. The judge then's like, um... Uh, and I said, judge, I'm actually going to come back to that in just a second. So I told the judge I'm coming circling back. Yeah. So I came back when I put up that silence question and I said, a few of you that said five, why did you say five? And they're like, I want to hear his side of the story. They're like, I'm feel like I'm having to make a decision without hearing. It. I said, you haven't heard their side of the story either. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. So I was able to then talk about how important it is. They have to prove it. My guy has a right to remain silent. A couple of those five said, I don't know that I could find him not guilty without hearing his side of the story. That's another reason for cause. Right. So I got, we had like seven or eight out of that 60 cut for cause. So and that's a, that's a pretty good amount. That's a pretty good number. Yeah, uh, it, it was, it was for cause. It, man, it was a hell of a trial. I worked really hard on that baby. So, um, that, that's a good, that's a great point. I always, when I, when I'm talking about 
fifth amendment rights and right not to testify, right to testify and all that kind of stuff. Um, I ask people who say like, yeah, I want to hear from them. Like, well, what would you want to hear? What, what exactly do you want? Would you need a defendant to say to you to mm. find them not guilty? And they're like, I want to hear that he didn't do it. And I was like, well, okay. Thank you. First off for your opinion. Um, I think they're struck for cause at that point in time. But I always say, I always tell people, you know, my, my client is going to stand up at the beginning of trial. The state's going to read off his charge and he's going to tell you from his own mouth that he is not guilty. Who needs more? You know, do you, do you need more than that? I mean, you want to hear from him that they didn't do it. We're, we're here in trial saying we're not guilty. Yeah. We didn't um, do it. Yeah. And that, you know, whether it's effective or not, um, I, I think like I could probably skip that. I think that's just trying to get people to understand, you know, the seriousness of our, of our, um, fifth amendment rights, uh, in the United States constitution, but I, it doesn't really do me any good when I'm trying to get people struck for cause. No, it's, re it's really tough on that. Unless somebody says, I I'd have to hear from him in yeah. a case like this. I, I understand what that is, but I still need to hear, you know, or, I, or I, would, I, I would, I would question the outcome if he doesn't testify. Yeah. Okay. Well that's using it against him. Um, so, so in that same line and same thought, um, when they say, I want to hear from him, I then say, usually I'll find, I'll say that, find a person similar and say, I'll point to the state. They've been trained how to ask questions or cross-examine a witness. I've been trained to ask questions or cross-examine a witness. Y'all have watched me for the last 45 minutes. Would you want me to cross-examine you right now on what you had for breakfast? And some of them will like, I'm like, and you're not going to go to jail on this, but do you want to do that? And it, lots of times you'll get a real white look and they'll, they're like, no, somebody, sometimes I say, yes, I said, so what'd you have for breakfast? And they'll say eggs. I was like, are those fried or scrambled? Do you have coffee with that? Did that come with cream, sugar? Who served it to you? Where did you eat it? Who did you eat it with? What'd you have yesterday? Is that what you always have? And after about five, about 37 seconds of me rapid fire, asking them questions about breakfast, they go, I go, would you really want to get up there if your life? or your freedom were on the line and have me ask you about the worst day of your life. You know, the funny thing is, uh, and the answer is usually no, but the funny thing is like, I've had jurors tell me like, well, the state's witnesses have to get up and testify. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, there's another constitutional right involved there, right? Like, well, they, they've got to get up and testify and be cross-examined by you. Like, well, because we have a right to confront our accusers in this country. And so, yes, that is their job. They have to prove their case. We don't have to do any. I mean, I think, I think this conversation, you know, that's why you need to be so comfortable in your board dire that you can jump around subject to subject and let the jury take you where they want to go. It really is a civics 101 class. Yeah. Um, I, and I think, you know, for as far as like PowerPoints go and, and scaled questions, Every, you know, it needs to be tailored to your own style. It needs to be tailored to the specific case that you're trying, but I'm not inventing the wheel. Like I got my, I got a, like a bunch of slides from a CLE. I went to from another attorney that practices in Tarrant County. Now is a great attorney. He got his slides from, you know, Jeff Kearney or somebody, you know, like somebody who's really like done a lot of this type of work. Um, and 
so we're not inventing the wheel. We're just getting like great ideas. We're sharing great ideas with other attorneys. There's some on the TCDLA website. Um, you know, so, so, and if you, yeah, if you ask, if you put out on a listserv for TCDLA or a local defense bar, Hey, does anybody have a void IR outline or slides for somebody's going to now, again, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I don't like Sunday afternoon. That email goes out for a Monday morning, Monday morning. Yeah. By Sunday afternoon, I may be cleaning up or re-going through some questions but ladies and gentlemen i'm ready for trial long before that oh yeah i'm not i'm not i may be refining my jury selection that that's uh, but really sunday night before trial or before the night before picking a jury is um is me kind of running through like a dress rehearsal of my jury selection i want to know what i'm getting into i want to know you know, the, the general way this, I think is going to go at that point, I'm trying to find a little bit of Zen. Yeah. And I don't want to focus on it too much because I want to get some sleep. Right. Because I will have questions running through my, I will during trial. I, so during trial, right. We talked about dieting you and yeah. I, before we've gone on, come on the show in a two day trial, I will lose three and three and a half to five pounds for sure. Right. Without I don't sleep. I don't eat. I, I I'm, I will be sitting in a courtroom in a suit in a full sweat. (laughs) I will come out. My shirt is wet. Yeah. Right. I'm not sick. I'm not doing drugs. I am working that hard the whole time. And it's because it's a mental exercise. You're always on. You can't take any mental breaks. Like how there's, you know, I've known uh, people in other professions who are just behind a computer the, their entire you know career. And they're like, you know, taking naps in the afternoon at their computer. I'm not going to say like we work that hard every single day, but when we're in trial, we're always on all day long. Right. We're listening to everything. We're processing everything. It is a workout. It's a mental workout. And we've seen each other in trial. We've tried cases with each other. Right. And, and I do, I understand when you say like, I'm in a full sweat, like I have to take all my suits to the cleaners after a trial, but on the surface, you and I hope that I, you know, portray myself this way, but calm, cool, collected, in control. This is your courtroom. Everybody else is just invited to play along. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're in charge and internally and like under that suit, it's probably a mess, but it's the, but it's you're the, not letting it show the duck on the water. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Looks calm and underneath there you're paddling like hell. Right. That's exactly what we're doing. We are trying to look like a duck on the water, just mo- sailing through the water on the inside. We are working, working, working. Um, so, so again, what else do we need to cover in a jury selection? I mean, you know, we have the constitutional rights, right? Big one is obviously beyond a reasonable doubt, fifth amendment, um, right to testify, all that right kind to of counsel, stuff. believability of so witnesses. One, right one of the, counsel. one of the things I picked up from now, someone who was a defense attorney is now working as a prosecutor. Right to counsel means, are you going to hold it against my client if I object? If I, if I ask hard questions of, of, the, of the witnesses, right? Because the Constitution says, not only am I a counsel, so I'll say it's an honor to represent, but also say it's my duty. Yeah. Right? The Constitution says I have to be effective. Right? The, the Supreme Court is, well, has interpreted the Constitution, the right yes. to counsel, that it has to be effective counsel. 
So I've got to be able to object. I've got to be able to ask questions. I've got to be, otherwise I'm not effective. Well, and, and along those same lines, I ask a jury for permission, right? Because like, again, have some empathy, put yourself in this defendant's shoes. If you are being represented by an attorney, you would want your attorney to do those things. And especially on my very serious, you know, life, uh, uh, life sentence type sexual assault cases or whatever. Um, I ask a jury, like, I'm going to have to, I may have to ask some very tough questions of people who never asked for it, maybe some younger individuals. Um, and I need your permission to do that. Will you give me that permission? And sometimes you, you kind of get somebody who's like, you know, kind of roll their eyes or like, look a little taken aback by that. Right. And that's a, that's an opportunity for you to, to confront that person. Right. Um, or at least to kind of go, hmm. May not get them for cause, but I might not want them on my jury. Yeah, I had actually when I was a prosecutor too, um, you know, there was one guy uh, who was great at picking juries and he would, he would say, he would pick out the guy who has like, you know, came in with a mohawk or like earrings and tattoos all over. And he'd point him out and say, Hey, you know, I understand that you um, are a very individualistic type person. You are going to have to work on a team if you are selected as a juror. Are you willing to do that? Are you able to do that, to work with others, to come to a consensus, um, you know, and, and vote your conscience, certainly, but you are, you know, you are going to be stuck in a room with these people, you know, so you can call out people individually like that. I had a very opinionated guy stand up and say, if I'm charged with a crime, I am taking the stand and I'm telling everybody that I did not do this. And I was like, you, sir, are a very confident person, right? you are a take charge type personality, aren't you? But you would agree with me that not everybody's like you, right? And some people are shy and some people are nervous. They're scared. They're uneducated. They don't know English. And so they're not going to, they may have reasons not to do that. And you'll, I think you'll get jurors on your side more when you confront some people individually like that. So don't be afraid to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. So jury, those are things we're going to cover in every single case. Yeah. We're also going to cover the elements, right? Sure. Yes. <laughs> and one of the things I usually point out um, when I'm uh, talking about the elements, I'll pick out the jurisdiction, especially if the jurisdiction is not important. I'd be like, they even have to prove that it happened in blank County. And I'm like, so, if, so if you get done and you're like, I think this happened in, X County, not Y County, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to find my client not guilty. Yeah. Sometimes though, they, that, that using that as an example, gets soft in the weeds. They're like, so, um, are you saying this might not have happened in this County? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to say that every one of these elements has to be proven. Yeah. Um, exactly. Proven beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. And inevitably when I use that, the, the state will ask every witness, now this happened where, and that's here in yes. this County, <laughs> yep. like thinking that somehow I've just played my hand. No, I'm truly just saying every, even if this one isn't, they should be doing that anyways, right? Like they need to be making sure they have clear answers on every single element jurisdiction included. Right. But it's funny. Like if I, yeah. if I bring that up, it'll be two or three instead of just the one. Yeah. Right. Usually it's the first officer and we don't ever ask that again. Um, yeah. But anyway, jury selection is an art and it, and it, changes a little bit depending on the case depending on who you have in front of you uh always 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 in your trial notebook you're going to have questions 
especially if your client's a minority or would be, be a member of the community that may not get a fair representation that you need those cases that say you need a, a fair representation of the County. Yeah. Um, you need those cases that say, you know, what can be struck for cause you need Batson in case all of a sudden all the women or all the, all the Catholics or whatever get cut. And that might've been favorable, especially if it might be favorable. So you also have to have those things that don't go on the PowerPoint, but are in your notebook and you know what they are and you know where they are. Yeah. You need to have your throwdown case law ready to go. Oof. It's why it's part of the reason why you need that assistant uh, Second that chair. chair. Yeah. Um, even if they don't do any, what looks like work, them having those cases ready for well, that moment. They're going to be, hopefully your second chair, you need a second chair for every trial. I'm convinced. And hopefully that second chair is, is watching the jury. They're, they're recording observations, recording the answers, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but right. I mean, this is, uh, I, I think my advice for young attorneys, new attorneys starting out, go and sit in on 10 jury trials, jury selections before you give your own watch some CLEs or go to some CLEs on jury selection, read some books on jury selection, talk to other older attorneys about it. See if you can get some scripts or PowerPoint slides or whatever. But that's a, that is what I did before I uh, selected my first jury. And I think it's really important. And you should probably be doing that in law school anyways, you know, just kind of shadowing other attorneys. Maybe you're an intern at a DA's office. Well, we know you're not working. The prosecutors don't work every day, every hour of every day, especially the interns. I know. Yeah. And so I interned at a DA's office. I would just go and watch trials. You know, right. I was not working. I was barely, I was barely working. Period. I mean, I, <laughs> I would go to court. Um, so, and, and, and you should be as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all right. Those are our tips for picking a jury. Yeah. Do that. Cut the ones that suck. It's so fun. It is. It is so fun. It really is. Mr. Earth, you know, I love my job. I know you love your job. Yes, I do. I do. Um, and I do as well, but often lo love my job, especially on these days like today <laughs> where all they do is win, 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 win. win. It's been a string of wins for you, buddy, man. It's yeah. I, I just wish my pocket. It makes me happy. Wins. It makes me happy seeing those, <laughs> seeing those cheeks like pinned up to, to your ears, yeah, you know, or yeah. pinned up to your uh, eyes or whatever they call you, it. You'll have good days. They're coming. They're coming, man. I don't know. Uh, my, my ship's about to, to, to part port. I don't know what they say. What's anyway, the saying? I don't know. Anyway. Well, this has been another Dang. episode of Andrew and Ruined Andrew that. on Texas criminal defense. You can find us on the web at Texas crim defense. defense you can find us on Facebook at Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. And you can find us on Twitter, just like Ben Jeffries did, 79 uh, did, uh, and be in contact with us there. A and A. Crim, Def, TX, something. <laughs> I, I think... I think somebody just type in Andrew and Andrew and see if we pop up on Twitter and let us Gosh, know. Gosh, I hope so. Hey, we did look at some of the uh, podcast um, stats. I think uh, a while ago, we're 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 climbing the ranks in where uh, New Ecuador Dubai or something, Dubai? somewhere in in Africa. Yeah, we're, we're like we're... number not even the top ten for educational podcasts. So. But we actually got a notice that we had we had reached a, a level of educational podcasting in truly like 
Nigeria or something. Much, much thanks to our foreign listeners out there. Right. It's great. Fantastic. But if you're local and you want to be on the show or or you have us or sponsor us, we're still looking at you, Whataburger and Tesla (laughs) and Topo Chico. Um, Contact us. In the meantime, y'all be safe. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you soon.